0: This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF.
1: This is News Radio 1290, WNBF News. Partly sunny today, high near 40. Tonight, cloudy, snow likely, lower on 30. Snow likely Tuesday with a high near 37. Police are investigating a deadly drive-by shooting incident near Morabito Stadium in downtown Binghamton. Police in the area reported hearing five or six gunshots around the main post office just before 5 p.m. on Friday. A police officer found a wounded person lying on the pavement next to a blue car that was stopped on Fayette Street between the stadium and post office. The victim reportedly had been shot in the face. He was pronounced dead at the scene. In a statement released Friday night, Detective Captain Corey Miner said the victim was a 28-year-old man. He had been driving the car when he was shot, causing the vehicle to crash. City police officers were assisted by state troopers in preventing people from rushing to the spot where the victim's body was recovered. Broom County Sheriff's deputies also assisted Binghamton police on downtown streets as people gathered in the after- aftermath of the shooting. Minor released no information on possible suspects or a description of the vehicle used to leave the scene. Johnson City Police say three Binghamton teenagers face felony charges following a stabbing in the village linked to a social media dispute. Investors said a 16-year-old boy was injured in the attack, which occurred in the area of Hariel Drive and North Harrison Street shortly before 6 p.m. Thursday. Police officers provided medical assistance to the youth who had been stabbed, while others circulated in the neighborhood looking for others who were involved. Johnson City Police said a short time later, an officer saw 18-year-old Tyreem Jordan of Binghamton toss a jacket into a vehicle The officer looked into the car and noticed a small handgun near the jacket. The weapon was a loaded 9mm ghost gun. Detectives viewed a video recording from a nearby business that showed Jordan wielding a gun while chasing the boy who had been stabbed. A second suspect in the incident, 18-year-old Luke Lucas, was taken into custody custody at his Binghamton residence. A third suspect, a 17-year-old boy, was found in Binghamton Friday morning. Police said the youth who was stabbed was hospitalized in stable condition. All three suspects have been charged with attempted assault. Jordan and the 17-year-old suspect were also charged with criminal possession of a weapon. Lucas was charged with criminal possession of a forged instrument. According to the Broome County District Attorney's Office, on February 9th, Michael Gibson of Binghamton pleaded guilty as a second felony offender to rape in the first degree in Broome County Court. Gibson admitted to having sexual intercourse with a victim less than 13 years old in the summer of 2023. Gibson is due back in court for sentencing on May 10th, where he is expected to be sentenced to 15 years in New York State Prison, followed by 15 years of post-release supervision. Workers have turned out hunting rifles, shotguns, carbines, revolvers and more at the Remington plant in upstate New York for about two centuries. Now, locals are bracing for Remington's exit from the village of Illion. The nation's oldest gun maker is consolidating operations in Georgia and recently announced plans to shutter the factory in early March. The move will eliminate 300 local jobs. The current owners of Remington Firearms blame production inefficiencies for the plant closing in a letter to union officials. Meanwhile, local officials are facing the prospect of a dramatic revenue loss in a vacant old factory. The resignation of a Republican lawmaker in the Pennsylvania House of Representatives has put the balance of power back to the Democrats. Republican Representative Joe Adams of Pike County resigned on Friday, leaving the state House at a 101 to 100 Democratic majority. A Democratic Democratic resignation last year had the House deadlocked at 101 to 101, and a special election next week will fill that vacancy. The special election in Bucks County leans heavily Democratic and could strengthen the party's hold on the chamber. A special election for Adams' seat will be set as early as two months from now. Adams' seat in the northeastern part of the state has trended Republican. Voters in New York's 3rd Congressional District will decide who will complete the remaining 11 months of George Santos' unfinished term. The epilogue to Santos' short and tumultuous congressional career will be written Tuesday as the two candidates vie to replace him. Former U.S. Representative Tom Swosey, the Democratic nominee, and Nassau County Legislature Mozzie Phillips will, uh, the Republican nominee. Both parties are eyeing the competitive seat as Republicans hold a narrow three-seat majority in the U.S. House. The seat became vacant after Santos was expelled from the House late last year after being charged with multiple counts of fraud and stealing from donors. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. <music>
2: I'm Bob Joseph. This is Binghamton Now, Monday, February 12th, 2024. I'm opening up the phone lines now at 607-772-1290. We'll be taking calls and talking about all sorts of things between now and noon. Good morning, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from?
3: Good morning there, Bob. It's uh, Dave uh, from Bustle And uh, I wanted to get you in quick here before I, before I went to work. How was your weekend? Good?
2: It was swell.
3: Good. Good. Hey, Bob. You know, <laughs> I guess the uh, the Taylor Swift curse prevailed, huh? Certainly looks it.
2: I you have know? no idea what you mean. Well,
3: the Chiefs won.
2: Yeah, Did I, s- I said I said the Chiefs were going to win twenty four to twenty three, and my prediction was you were pre- just pre- about right. Pretty, just- pretty darn close. You can't get much closer than that unless you're a professional.
3: That's that's right. That, you're just about right on, Bob. You know, you know, how, you know. I know how they could keep this thing going, Bob. Valentine Valentine's Day is Wednesday, a, a good day for uh, their parade. Chiefs are red. I, I could see a float with Taylor Swift and Kelsey with a big red heart backdrop, Bob. I can picture it all. They ought to let me plan it for him because I, I have the imagination. It, you know what else? You know what else too, Bob? I noticed over the weekend. <laughs> kind of enjoying it i, I, I the democrats in the meter were still melting down over that that report about uh, biden's uh, documents and uh, his state of mind and, and i don't understand what's the big deal Bob. Uh, uh, what we've witnessed over with our own eyes over 3 years the, the guy put it in writing so what what's the big deal they con- can- they continue to compare
2: trump's gas to his but like he, well it's it's like As they say, two wrongs don't make a right. And it appears, you know, from all available information, neither one of them... I mean, I wouldn't put either of them in charge of this radio station. I'm not talking about our company. (laughs) I'm talking about just WNBF. I'm not talking about even our Binghamton cluster of fine media outlets, digital platforms, and radio stations. I wouldn't put... I wouldn't put either of them in charge of just our AM 1290 thing, let alone, <laughs> 90, I mean, 92.1 FM, WNBF.com. I would, not, I would not trust either of them to be in charge of an upstate New York AM radio transmitter. I, wouldn't, 20, put, I wouldn't put either of them on f- filling in for me on this program. Say if I take Friday off, And they said, you have a choice, Bob. You have a choice. It's whatever you choose. We've made arrangements between Joe and Donald. They both have agreed to be available on Friday to fill in. If you wish, you could have one or the other or both. They've agreed. Whatever combination you suggest, they've agreed to. And I would say oh no, heck i 'm working on friday i don't i don't want to leave the program in the hands of two people like Joe and Don
3: if that's the case bob let, let's not even have an election instead of voting and having the two debate. How about a nationally televised game of memory as a matter of fact, best of three games winner take
2: all why we can choose the no <laughs> we don't want a game of memory. all we want is two. ...highly qualified candidates. Can't the Republicans and Democrats find somebody to represent their fine parties who we all... I mean, even if you don't like their politics, you could at least say, well, I don't agree with anything she stands for from a political standpoint. But I do know this. Her IQ is sufficient to be president of the United States. Her health is sufficient... And she's able to string together two coherent sentences without sounding... Who are you you talking about? Taylor Swift.
3: Oh, okay. You know, I also, Governor, I saw Governor Hochul, too, over the weekend. She was giving the, the GOP a piece of her mind for a failure of that, that border bill. She, she said the, the the Republicans will pay politically. The GOP broke it. They own it, she said. The, the reality is, though, Bob, Biden broke it three years ago, and now they want to put a band on it in an election year. You know, Bob, if Hochul, if she's patient enough and waits for the second coming, Trump will come in with a great big broom and shovel and clean up this mess.
2: Just imagine. No, he won't because he didn't clean up any mess the first time around. Yes, if if he gets a a second stab at the presidency, he'll do more things to help himself and his friends and hangers-on. He's not going to help the country. He didn't. He didn't clean anything up. During his first four years, so what makes you think if he's sworn in on January twentieth next year, it's going to be any better? Most likely, it's going to be worse. Well, I said he will, and you say, I said he will. Just imagine, he won't. Uh, he won't. Why? Why? Especially, see the the thing about the uh, the four years when the former guy was the actual guy. He at least had to be keeping one eye on the November 2020 election, so to a degree, that kept him in check. But after, say, and again, this is hypothetical, I'm not predicting, say he um, does win through some sort of trickery or maybe be rigged uh, in this coming November, and he is sworn in next January 20th. He won't be held in check by anything because he, he won't be able to run for a third term. So then all bets are off. <laughs> Just
3: imagine our country is it, it, one big bar and Trump's the bartender. He'll announce to illegal immigrants that, that it's closing time. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. He'll send them out the door, lock it, put a sign on it, temporarily closed. He should also probably put signs down at the border, Bob. Uh, USA, the deportation nation, because that's what's going to happen. Okay. That's exactly what he's going to do. That's how he's going to clean the mess up, Bob.
2: (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Well, we'll see what happens. I, I will admit, it's getting very interesting. It's 917. This is Bob Joseph, Snow Radio, WNBF. Coming up next... The Snow Report. How much bread and milk will you need to protect yourself and your family? Stay tuned.
0: From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290, also available at 92.1 FM. Save in a big way at Galt Chevrolet.
2: 20, and we are live on a Monday morning. The official forecast from Snow Radio, the winter weather advisory, now in effect. Well, it will be in effect it's starting at midnight. But we can tell you about it now. We just want you to be prepared. It's starting at midnight, a winter weather advisory will be in effect for Binghamton. It will be in effect for 13 hours, from midnight until 1 p.m. Tuesday, snow expected. Two to four inches. The winter storm warning is canceled. You don't need, if you live in... Oh, wait, hold on. <laughs> wait a second. Oh, okay. Broom, Tioga, and Shimunk. So the winter storm warning is canceled. Uh, if you want, you still are allowed to go and get your bread and milk, but it's not really necessary because at this point, the forecast suggests that uh, we'll wind up with maybe two to four inches. So whatever the scare tactics that were being employed by those in the weather industry, disregard, delete, erase. Here's the full forecast from the National Weather Service. Partly sunny today, high 40, cloudy tonight, snow likely, mainly after 5 a.m., low 30. Snow accumulation overnight about 2 inches. Then tomorrow, snow and snow showers. It could be heavy at times. High 37. Snow accumulation tomorrow 2 inches. Partly sunny Wednesday with a slight chance of snow showers in the morning. High 30. Right now it's 31. In downtown Binghamton, that's one Celsius minus one Celsius. That's Snow Radio WNBF. Beverly from the town of Dickinson. Hi.
4: Hi. Well, we went. We went to a Weego on on Saturday. We, we found we found a uh, Fuddy Duddy. No place to park.
5: Well, none. Well,
2: you know the thing is about a Weego. They're so successful frequently on Lake Street you're gonna have trouble finding a slot sometimes you have to go around the block a few times you have to oh, yeah we have to time we, it
4: We found out where it was so we couldn't find a place to park so we took the scenic route and we went to we seen a lot of the houses mm. oh I mean they're, they're, they're big houses mega. Yeah, Mega. we went in. We went in through the back. We didn't go up. We didn't go through town. Well, but it was nice though. It is nice. It is. And then I. Then we went to. Uh, then we went to. Um, then we went to Arby's, and I had a a chocolate milk, a, a chocolate mint milkshake.
2: Yeah, and was it good?
4: Oh, yeah. Hey, whatever happened to the top market?
2: They um. They sold the Owego store, and now it's Grand Union. Yeah, I home think Home of the that. Red Dot Specials. So if you like the Red Dot Specials, you can get them now at the Grand Union. It's a Grand Union, a grand... Union and a grand deal more. Glad
4: I haven't seen one of them in years.
2: Isn't it beautiful? Yeah. You should go in. They uh they make um We did. Oh yeah. Well they make subs. They're not old fashioned subs, but no. I, I've had a couple and they definitely are tasty.
4: No, we uh <laughs> we went down there. We're going to try and go during the week. There might be n- not so much traffic. Yeah, it
2: might be it might be easier to find a, a parking slot.
4: Yeah, we, uh, we've seen a lot of houses, though. Old houses. Old houses. They must have been over 100 years old.
2: Yeah, well, there's some that are probably maybe close to 200 years old. By the way, speaking of that, Jerry Smith... Or Gerald Smith, as his mom calls him when he's bad. Um, he's gonna be on the air next hour. And oh, he, okay, you know he's working he's now. He he's uh he's in charge of the thing down there in Oega.
4: Yeah, I was looking for him.
2: Did you stop by their museum? It's a beautiful, beautiful oh, edifice. Yeah.
4: yeah. Yeah. I have a friend that's at the nursing home up there and I'm I when I got home, I called. called where at, where at Riverview? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I have I have a friend that's there. You know. Yeah. Have and you ever, been, have you you ever she, been
2: inside there? To visit. No,
4: but no, but my my a friend of mine are going to go up to visit her sometime. She, uh, her niece said, said she may know you, and she may not. But she says don't, don't get Don't get upset. If she doesn't recognize you, right? Because she has Alzheimer, but that's all right. You know, I, I, I worked on the Alzheimer's floor for years. Yeah. Well. And a nursing home. So, if they, I had a lady that called me, <laughs> uh, that called me her daughter. I, you know, I went along with her. All right. Uh, that's I had a lady that called me grandma. Well, I was a grandma, so I'd answer her, you know. But I I got along with the residents, though. I really did. All right. But but I, uh, you know, I've I've worked with many people over the years. For 30 years, I've worked with, you know, different sets of people.
5: So,
2: well, I think that's pretty cool.
4: Yeah, I worked 30 years. I worked with the children and so forth and I I worked with children and a down syndrome and I um and I uh I worked with a lot of people. It was it was hard for a while there, you know, you know, I mean, you know, but my mother, my mother was a midwife and she taught me a lot of stuff too. See my, my ma The doctor didn't get to the hospital in time, so my mother delivered the two babies.
2: Oh, really? That's called a yep, special delivery. That was back delivery. in
4: '65. Uh, there was an article in a newspaper about that back in '65, and she de- delivered my youngest daughter in '69 because the doctor didn't get there in time.
2: No kidding. That nope. was in the paper. Yeah. Wow. Yeah,
4: well, that's pretty. June ninth, of nineteen sixty five, and then, then again on August the twenty third,
2: nineteen sixty nine. Well, that's but pretty. We, you know, that's pretty. Uh, pretty amazing, I think.
4: Yeah, my mo- my mother taught me a lot. Well,
2: mine did too. It's a good no, thing I just too because. To let you
4: know that we got up there. I never seen so many people on that street. Oh, cow! They, they. Hey, is there any sidewalks up there?
2: Uh, yeah, there's some.
4: I mean, I, I mean, on, on Lake, on Lake Street, cause oh um, yeah, there are. Yeah, but you know they, 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 they all um, they drive in, you know. Then, then you back out. But I, I never seen so many people. They were going to, uh, uh, in one store, and another one was coming out. That's a busy street. When well, we got on the front street there, there was nobody there.
2: Well, there will be. Keep keep your eye open. There will be people there coming soon. Okay.
4: Yeah, when we're going we're gonna to go up during the week, and I'll let you know how we
2: make out. All right. I appreciate okay. the report. Hope you have a great day. Thank you. It's 929 WNBF Live. I'm Bob Joseph. Our phone number is 607-772-1290. Um, if you'd like to win a prize... Well, we have no prizes, but I, I understand that many people would like to win a prize. If you'd like to win a prize... Uh, keep listening and If I can find something To give away Oh look Look who the cat dragged in <laughs> We were just talking about you Down at the I, I heard We are talking about a Owego Yes Beverly should have walked into the museum It's like a bonus
6: Yeah I was there Yeah we were finishing up our exhibit. It opens up on Wednesday.
2: By the way, I saw that self-serving blather yes. in, in yesterday's paper. <laughs> and we will be talking about that, yes, actually. Yes, we will, on the next hour. Yeah. Yeah. So I I enjoyed that. That was um, just between you and me. It was my favorite part of Sunday's paper. <laughs> it was. Yeah. I get to blather about all sorts of stuff. And it was good. Yeah. It was... It was not regular blather. No, it's not not like Dan blather. This is real no, local blather. Because I knew the frequency, Kenneth. Yeah, ninety two point one FM and uh, twelve ninety AM. Thanks. Yeah, or I could take over for you on a Friday. You can't because now can. you I have on a full-time <laughs> job. I no, I can't. So you anymore. heard, you hear, you heard what I, I said earlier. Yes, I did. I would not. I, I always I would, listen in as I'm driving yeah, in to, from to get far a sense, away, get a sense of what you're about to.
6: Well, I wanted to hear about how much snow because I have a long ways to go now every morning. Yeah, so uh, it doesn't actually it doesn't sound too bad. No, no, I'm going to have to go to work because you know, probably the school's going to be opening. So yeah, yeah, That's all right because payroll has to be done and all like, that good stuff. Well, the fear
2: mongers. 12 inches, 15
6: blowing wind, blizzards,
2: conditions. And I'm Uh, saying, you know, oh, the European model. But what about the Kansas City model? What does she have to say? Uh, She says, I'm chugging my beer and
6: I'm happy. And what's that about? Uh, That's about nothing. (laughs) But still. (laughs) Like most
2: of of the fluff that's on the air. Yeah. But it's good. Now, that's good fluff, though. Yes. I mean, you know, back in the day... You know, I would rather but I'd rather see that does during. Does she the game. know the president of either Egypt or Mexico? Mexico. <laughs> Actually, she probably does. Yeah, well, that could be? My guess is I th- don't. I don't either. No. but my guess is she is very swift when it yes. comes to these things. So it's, I, it's,
6: I don't think it's Mubarak anymore. No, no. it's
2: not. No, no, no that no. didn't end well. Um, no, no. <laughs> sorry for our listeners in the town of Union. Yes, but uh, so I'm looking at your. Uh, so they actually paid you. You didn't pay them at the newspaper to put in this plug about the uh, yes, <laughs> the Tioga County well, Historical I, Society.
6: I tell them it's selfish self promotion. I know. Well, that's what well, I... it was about—a brand new facility opening up, an exhibit, and I then know. a program on dealing with because it's Black History Month. I
2: I appreciate it. Yeah. That because <coughs> I thought, well. At least we have something to start with, because I knew you were coming in today, and yeah. I said, well, that's that's a good thing, so we don't have to necessarily start with, you know, whatever happened to the IBM exhibit. Um, it's now in Poughkeepsie. Yes. Nobody can see it. No. Well, people in a warehouse in Poughkeepsie. Yeah, and probably, I bet the president and CEO of IBM could see it if she wanted. Probably. But we can't. I'm gonna say. My guess is, if I drive down to Poughkeepsie, because I think I know exactly where it is. Now, if I mm-hmm. go down to Poughkeepsie yeah. and say who I am, they'd be like, "Yeah, that's good. You can leave now. Yeah. You're, you're not welcome that's, here. That's nice. Go away." But I'm just doing an update on yeah. the IBM exhibit. I'm sure you are. Yeah, we'll we'll let the appropriate people, including local, state, and federal law enforcement, know you're on private property. You've got exactly three seconds. To excuse yourself That's right <laughs> And there
6: is no excuse for you no. Yes <sighs> Anyway well, I've even taking off my coat,
2: folks I just came I in know, early You just, so. you just yeah. came in yeah. and uh, it's warmer in here than don't sitting you... out in the car <laughs> Oh, so that explains <laughs> Okay, I knew there uh, <coughs> there, there was a r- rationale So why don't you go yeah. to the green room Which, of course, isn't green Or is what,
6: it? Co- no, I think it is, is What it color green? is it?
2: I think it's blue I hardly ever yeah. been been in there. Eh, go check it out, maybe. Yeah. Maybe they fired up. Wait, what do you want? If if you could pick anything in the green room this morning, what would it be? In a terms bo- a of bottle, a bottle of water. I thought you were going to say a bottle of Zima. No, no. Or if you're Taylor Swift, Crush. Orange. Crush. No, no. Purple. No. Cru- did you no, ever have Grape um, Crush? Oh. No. I had, oh I, no! You know, thank you. They, they have did a, once. They have a speedy stand. I won't name it, but it's up on Front Street. Yes, it used they to do. be It used to be a Pizza Boy restaurant, and then Pizza Boy suddenly just closed and told all all their employees to get out of here. Right. Actually, I don't even think they said that. I think just one day the employees showed up. And, and there was a the sign on the were door out and said, "Sorry, pizza boy has closed." That's right. It's and like, now it's a speedy place. Yeah, so it's a speedy shack, and it's and so, very busy. So I visited, and I'm okay. not going to name names because of HIPAA, but my sisters, my sisters, and my brothers-in-law. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, well, they they were more sorry they invited I'm, me. I'm not on that board anymore. So, so we <laughs> we. Um, <laughs> We uh, convened at, uh, at the Speedy Shack yeah. there, and we all got delicious Speedies. But what I did, and I'm ashamed to admit it, but the, f- the first thing you need to do is admit that you, sh- you did something wrong, and then you put it out there and ask for forgiveness. So I bought um, a grape crush. It was a 20-ounce bottle. Oh. Okay. Man. And then after consuming it, first, I didn't consume the, the, the whole thing there. I was able to, like, slug down about a third of this 20-ounce bottle. It had so much sugar or something, high yes. fructose corn syrup. Uh, doesn't matter. It had so much of everything. <sighs> and then I looked at the, um, what, oh, the nutrition label. Yeah. And honestly, this is why I can't have it. 'Cause I
6: look at the nutrition oh, label these right. days. Yes, you can't you, you my, have my, you, my doctor would go, No, no, and I'm seeing him in the next hour after this my own oh, radio show. That's oh. why
2: I have to be a good yeah, boy. Well that's that's true. So afterwards I I looked I looked at it and I said, Come on, man. <laughs> you and and apparently it's legal to sell that. Yes. And I thought, see the worst thing, it's bad enough that an adult in theory knows what he's doing again in theory and um i looked at it and it's got so much sugar in it, it yeah you know it's, and, and sugar I'm thinking,
6: byproducts and things that yeah uh, resemble
2: sugar yes and i uh i don't know i it, it just seemed just seemed like i guess i learned a, a bitter lesson i because i refused to buy stuff and then. Not use it I did finish it And the other thing is Between you and me Although it was called grape Whatever that taste was It didn't feel much
6: it like grape waved some sort of magic powder Over it That Otherwise would have been used As a color on Taylor Swift's makeup Wow well, Since we're back to that Yeah
2: Yeah so I'm just looking and she seems like a nice person. Oh, no, she is. Yeah. I'm, oh, I'm looking. Actually, I took a nice picture here of of me with my speedy and then oh, I lied. I said it was crush. It's Fanta. Oh, I, oh, Fanta. Well, Great. It's in the same vicinity. <sighs> yeah. Yes, I've got an
6: orange of that for one of my daughters who um
2: <sighs> You know. I know it's legal, but it still seems like you should be at least 21 to be able to consume <laughs> it. I, I mean, even with your parents' permission, well, I don't think. You, what you do is you drink that, then you have a couple Mountain Dews. Yeah. And then after they peel you off the ceiling. no. Then what you do, you go over <laughs> to, uh, what's that place that's selling um, something like Hot Lemonade? What it is, it's lemonade, but it has about 5,000... Well, I exaggerate. It has a lot of caffeine in it. Right. It has, oh, yeah. You know, probably like you get one of these things of, it's not hot lemonade, but it, whatever, spike. It's not spike because it's not alcohol. Hard. It's not hard because that's alcoholic. But well, that's true. Apparently, it's supposed to be an energy drink. Well, yeah, it is because it has apparently the equivalent amount of caffeine to something like four cups of coffee. And people were like. Ooh, this is good lemonade and some people are like, oh, I think I'll have another. It's so good and then they wind up in the hospital actually. I'm not naming the company because of HIPAA, but they um they want I think they're facing at least two or three lawsuits really? because people died because after they over- consuming. Yeah. Well, the legal theory is because they didn't know or appreciate that there was caffeine in it or at least that much caffeine. So I don't know It just goes to show I'll stick with water An excellent choice Binghamton water I'll stick with bottled water
6: (laughs) (laughs) Well This comes from a man Who lived in the city For several decades
2: You're familiar with the way Yes I am The way our Water is Yeah Made I take bottled water To a week or two
6: So
5: it's okay
2: Okay More of this coming up next hour, only on WNBF.
5: News Radio 1290,
2: WNBF. WNBF. Ready for real radio WNBF beginning April 1st. Uh,
5: it's,
2: uh... Hi, come here. So we're looking over at the screen there. Doesn't that look nice? Yeah.
6: That's Thank
2: you. I took those. Provided by Gerald Smith. That's right. And they smelled they spelled Smith right. Or they spelled them oh, <laughs> Smelled them, yeah. Yeah. Yes. It's a beautiful exhibit. You know where? You go in um what store? Oh um I can't mention their name. Over in Johnson City, they have a big grocery store over in Johnson City. Mm. It's out near where the mall used to be. Yes. Um, Across from where the mall was for many years. So a lot of times they still have copies of the Sunday paper left over. So if you didn't buy it, go out and buy one. I think it's uh, five bucks. And then you'll have these pictures that Gerald Smith took. That's right. And they're online, too. They have an online gallery. And they should be in color on the online gallery. Let me check. Oh. By the way, I haven't mentioned. If you have a chance, folks, you should subscribe to uh, Press Connects, the PressConnects dot com. Mm-hmm. Um, not only subscribe to the digital, but also subscribe to get delivery of the paper. Yeah, it's for a modest price. <laughs>
6: I'm sorry. I, I said I, for a modest price. I, don't I work with me. There.
2: Okay. You okay? Yeah, I'm just fine. <laughs> put put down the Fanta. He's <laughs> he's drinking now a strawberry Fanta, folks. I can't help it. He's gonna be oh. by the time the ten o'clock segment starts, the official history segment. He's gonna be all sugared up. Mm. Mm. Mm, so subscribe to PressConnects.com. Not just the digital component, but also the yeah. print. Yeah. And for a nominal fee, somebody will stop by your house yeah. like somebody yesterday whoever delivered the paper yesterday the um driveway was a little muddy and so what they did because they had trouble aiming their newspaper delivery minivan mm. um, so there's like a nice rut where next to the mm. driveway so well you
6: shouldn't that's... get in a rut <laughs> well they used to just I toss didn't. it i came out well, of a
2: rut and went back to work so i see yeah see and that, and now look how happy you are yes Smiling all the time. Um, so we were looking for... Oh, a, yes, we were going to look for yes, your thing to see if the, the pictures are in color. I
6: know they put it
2: on on Monday. Uh, well, today's Monday. Let me see.
6: So it should Is be... It's under
2: business. It's under opinion.
6: <laughs> I don't <laughs> you know, know what it's under.
2: Well, it should... Yeah, now I can't find it. But it should be there. Usually they put the digital version online on Monday morning. Well, maybe... Maybe they're going to—I bet they're going to put it up—they probably set it to auto-publish at 10 a.m. I bet that's what— Could be, because that's—oh, there it is. Where? Right there. Oh! Yeah, that—look. Oh, the pictures are—oh. Yeah, you're right. I I, I like the black and white version was nice, but yeah, at PressConnects.com, you can see the color photos. Oh, and there are lots— yeah. Well, when I say lots, there's three. three.
6: Yeah, and then we go into the underground railroad story.
2: Oh, okay. Excellent. Yeah. Hmm. It's almost like a real column. I like it. Yeah. I like it. It even has your uh, current your the yes. executive director of the Tioga yes. County Historical yeah. Society. Yeah. And a former Broome County historian. That's right. All right. All right. Well, like I say, it's there at PressConnects.com. Do yourself a favor and subscribe today. Indeed. It's the thing to do. Also, not just for yourself, but all family members. Like, say, if you have family members out of town, make sure they have a subscription. And then they can get all the information. I get paid
6: by Gannett once a month. Absolutely. Yes.
2: We're we're here. My sole purpose in life is to support local journalism.
6: And I'm here to support. Your support.
2: Oh, you're too kind. Thank All right. You. It's 949 WNBF. Remember, this is just a test show. It's not going to actually be broadcast. <laughs> Corporate was hoping. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I'm still I'm still getting over that game last night. Because I I I called it. I said yeah. Kansas City was gonna win the thing. 24 to 23, and that was pretty darn close. Yeah. So, you know, next thing you know, I'm going to be working for one of those, what do they call them? Gaming companies. They don't want to call it gambling because that sounds bad. Gaming. Right. know, right. I'll, I'll be. Legal. 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 Extremely legal. Yes. Until there's a scandal. And then, in
6: <laughs> th- which case, they will revamp and call it something else.
2: Yes. We'll call it fun. Fun in games. Yes. Yes. Till somebody gets hurt it's 950 Bob Joseph live at W NBF <laughs> Well, how did he get out of the zoo? That's what I want to know. What? What's your theory there? How did the monkey get out of the zoo in the first place? Somebody had a set of keys. (laughs) Oh, you remember? Wasn't there? What in the what yes. was it sixties or seventies? What was it? Tigers or something got out of the zoo. Yeah, and somebody let them loose. Yeah, it was a bad person. Uh, uh, yeah, back when bad people ran around Binghamton. Fortunately, we've rectified that now. But, um, but yeah, somebody got in the zoo.
6: Yeah,
2: but still with this thing with the a monkey mm. under the sea raises yeah, and ten million gallons of sludge. Well, New York does produce a lot. A lot. Well, a city of eight million people, yeah,
6: that—that's not that unreasonable. Yeah, it floats well, around on barges.
2: You know, there's still people eating breakfast, or not anymore. Just plan- people who were just planning to start brunch, but that suddenly was... they're, they're like, they're they're in the restaurant parking lot. They have brunch reservations for ten o'clock, and we've just reduced their appetite. Really, and he says. Uh, Mud, no, Mavis, because she sells tires. Mavis, uh, I think, will hold off on brunch. Anyway, mm-hmm. coming up next, we will be talking about history. You won't want to miss a minute. We have some exclusive information about the Tioga County Historical uh, Society. It's all coming up exclusively here on WNBF.
0: This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton, now on 92.1 FM, W221 EJ Binghamton, a town square. Where news breaks first, News
1: Radio 1290 WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF News. Partly sunny today, high near 40. Snow tonight, cloudy skies, low around 30. Cloudy on Tuesday with snow and a high near 37. A federal lawsuit accuses National Guard members of sexually exploiting migrants at a Buffalo area hotel where they are being housed while awaiting asylum hearings. The lawsuit filed in New York City names at least six New York National Guard members who were assigned to the hotel along with several employees of the company DocGo, the contractor hired by New York City to oversee the migrants' needs. It was brought by several asylum seekers and employees hired to work at the hotel. A National Guard spokesman did not respond to a request for comment. A statement from DocGo said it is committed to ensuring the well-being of those in its care. Johnson City say three Binghamton teenagers faced felony charges following a stabbing in the village linked to a social media dispute. Investors said a 16-year-old boy was injured in the attack, which occurred in the area of Hariel Drive and North Harrison Street shortly before 6 p.m. Thursday. Police officers provided medical assistance to the youth who had been stabbed while others circulated in the neighborhood looking for others who were involved. Johnson City Police said a short time later an officer saw 18-year-old Tareem Jordan of Binghamton toss a jacket into a vehicle. The officer looked into the car and noticed a small handgun near the jacket. The weapon was a loaded 9 millimeter ghost gun. Detectives viewed a video recording from a nearby business that showed Jordan wielding the gun while chasing the boy who had been stabbed. A second suspect in the incident, 18-year-old Luke Lucas, was taken into custody at his Binghamton residence. A third suspect, a 17-year-old boy, was found in Binghamton Friday morning. Police said the youth who was stabbed was hospitalized in stable condition. House Republicans may be critical of diversity and inclusion programs within the federal government and elsewhere, but they see recruiting women and minority candidates along with veterans as key to expanding their slim majority in November. The chair of the House Republican campaign arm, Representative Richard Hudson, says that playbook helped Republicans make gains in the last two election cycles, so they're using the same formula. House Democrats have a sizable advantage when it comes to minority voters and don't intend to cede any ground, though. They say Republicans mock diversity and equity when it comes to policy, such as cutting funding for diversity and inclusion programs at federal agencies. Police are investigating a deadly drive-by shooting incident near Morabito Stadium in downtown Binghamton. People in the area reported hearing five or six gunshots around the main post office just before 5 p.m. on Friday. A police officer found a wounded person lying in the pavement next to a blue car that was stopped on Fayette Street between the stadium and post office. The victim reportedly had been shot in the face. He was pronounced dead at the scene. In a statement released Friday night, Detective Captain Corey Miner said the victim was a 20-year-old man. He had been driving the car when he was shot, causing the vehicle to crash. Broome County Sheriff's deputies also assisted Binghamton police on downtown streets as people gathered in the aftermath of the shooting. Minor released no information on possible suspects or a description of the vehicle used to leave the scene. Christopher Davis of Oriana has been indicted by the Delaware County Grand Jury on several charges related to sexual assault and criminal solicitation. According to the Delaware County Acting Attorney, the indictment includes charges of predatory sexual assault against a child, criminal solicitation, and attempted sexual abuse. Davis is accused of predatory sexual assault against a child. The indictment alleges that Davis engaged in the course of sexual contact with a minor under the age of 13. This course of conduct is reported to have spanned nearly eight years, starting when the child was only seven and ending when she turned 13. If convicted, Davis faces a mandatory sentence of life imprisonment. He is currently being held without bail at the Delaware County Correctional Facility. His arrangement on the indictment is scheduled for tomorrow. New York State is expanding a curfew to additional migrant shelters. Mayor Eric Adams of New York City Administration will impose an 11 p.m. to 6 a.m. curfew at 20 migrant shelters starting today after initially placing the restrictions at four other locations. The Daily News reports that curfew impacts about 3,600 migrants. The city's traditional homeless shelters have long had such curfews. The 24 shelters, now subject to the restrictions, represent a fraction of the more than 200 facilities currently housing some 66,000 migrants. The expanded curfew comes after a spate of violence attributed to migrant shelter residents gained national attention in recent weeks. That's a look at news for updates on local news, weather, sports, and features. Open up the WNBF app and online at wnbf.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF.
5: News Radio.
2: History. I call it Binghamton then. Here at News Radio, WNBF. I'm Bob Joseph, along with noted historian Gerald Smith. And I'm back. Noted. I am noted. I take notes all the time. Especially during meetings. So, uh, again, for those who um, hadn't heard previously, you are now the executive director of the Tioga County Historical Society.
6: Yes, I am.
2: And how is
6: that going? I'm loving it. Yeah. Uh, I'm tired every day.
2: <laughs> but it's a good kind of tired. Yes,
6: yes. It's, uh, we're having fun greeting. But we just, we're just about to open one exhibit, and we've got two more in the works uh, that will open shortly. I can't give you any t- titles or deadlines yet because we haven't created them. But uh, And then we've, I've brought back the quarterly newsletter, which hadn't been around for a short while. And we're having monthly programs, which hadn't been since before the pandemic. So uh, it's keeping me very busy. Plus, I'm still very involved with the Broome County Historic Society, Uh, Still sit on their board, and there might be more news to that shortly, but we'll see. And still doing walking tours and writing for the newspaper, and I show up here every month. So I guess coming out of retirement wasn't that hard because I was still doing stuff.
2: I'm looking at the newsletter. It says spring 2024.
6: Yeah. I don't know why they call it spring when it really isn't. It should be winter, but it's it's the way they...
2: Well, what uh, a lot of publications do, especially magazines, they used to always issue their magazine with a cover date that was a little bit ahead of when it would hit newsstands. So yeah. So, say, um, Time Magazine, back when they had... Oh, yeah, had, which is why uh, a you lot know, of newsletters so, have done yeah, that, too. Yeah. So, that makes so, sense. Yeah. Well, yeah. It makes it still feel more relevance.
6: I added back a title which they had used a long time ago, because I thought it was kind of a cute title. It is. Relics and Recollections. I I find that... uh, Yeah.
2: And I will
6: admit, there's not a lot of meat to this issue. There's a nice story on the cover about the uh, toy exhibit. The the early, sorry, early century comic strip exhibit that just came down, uh, that Tom McIntyre, one of our board members, gave a presentation about last month. But uh it it gives that, and then it gives information about the museum and membership and all that good stuff. Well it's 12 pages. that's yeah, I know. I put well, a lot of his photographs from Tannenbaum, too. That's what I'm uh, which looking is at those which photos. is our Christmas period exhibit, where there's, well, there's close to over four dozen trees. Uh, sponsored by individuals, organizations, companies, and bidding items, over 80 items people bid on. That's our major fundraiser for the year. We just got our final report there. and In fact, our fundraising went up a good amount over last year, which is encouraging. And then they immediately, I love how our board president said, oh, it'll take it like three days to knock down. Let's try three weeks (laughs) to get everything cleaned up and there's still glitter on the floor uh, that we keep vacuuming up. But uh, it's a it's a wonderful it it, we empty out. We have it full of three galleries Uh, for those who have not been there. The museum's at 110 Front Street in Wego and we're open Tuesdays through Saturdays from 10 to 4 each day. Tell me about the building. Yeah, the building, it's built on the site of what had been a Greek revival home. It's an interesting combination because for those familiar with that area of Owego on Front Street, it's part of their historic district, and there's a lot of homes. I know you are talking in the previous hour with Beverly about it. She said a lot were over 100 that are some that are approaching 200 years old um, The Greek Revival was torn down in 1959. Interesting enough, for some reason, it had a Victorian carriage barn, carriage house that still stands. We use that to store uh, items, uh, both in the collection and also the Christmas trees. And then it was replaced with this uh, building. And don't ask me the architects, because I don't know yet. But it was built between 1959 to 1960. Uh, you can tell that the architects were used to building churches because it's laid out sort of like a church. Uh, if I had to call that anything, I'd call it a split level. If you call them in our main doors, there's stairs down and stairs up. Um, now, this was also the facility that during the flood of 2011 had five feet of water in its lower level, and that's where all the
2: collections are stored. And so- that was... It was very sad when oh, yeah. I heard. It, uh, it literally
6: took them the water damage. months of restoration work with a company out of Texas, um, large amounts of of money from FEMA, and efforts to mitigate all of that. There's still damaged items. There's still items lost in the collection that they don't know where they went. They just disappeared uh, because they just some of them eventually would just float away. They weren't being they were not able to be restored. Uh, But a lot of the paper collection was a a number of the three-dimensional collection. So we try to have at least two, sometimes three exhibits at any time. We have a resource room for people doing local research on buildings or their family history. Um, And we have a gift shop where we sell, well, during this time of year, it's local publications and some What I would call nice tchotchke, (laughs) for those of the community who know what a cheap tchotchke is. High quality. High quality. Yes. Well, nice stuff. Yeah. It's not a pencil. Let's just put it that way. That's good. Yeah.
2: Maybe I'll stop. So it keeps
6: me very, very busy. And so this Wednesday, which is Valentine's Day, don't know why we picked that, but we did, uh, we're opening our newest exhibit, which is called From Dollhouse to Our House. And it covers life around the region between 1880 to 1910. Uh, The dollhouse is a really, really big second empire house that we have filled with items resembling those that we've created. Because we've recreated a lot of the rooms from the dollhouse in the West Gallery, which is right across the main lobby. Uh, And so you'll see a receiving parlor where you're giving the gentleman, the butler, the staff, your your card with your name on it. You can be taken to the gentleman's study or the dining room, which is all laid out. And then, of course, there's the main parlor. Because these homes were just entering the 20th century, we have a beautiful Victrola. Uh, We have a stereoscopic viewer, stereopticon, for those who... We even have a package of period dominoes out because they would have been playing those in the parlor. And then the ladies' bedroom uh, and the sewing area with uh, vanity and a singer sewing machine that dates, oh, back to that period... Uh, and then three display cases just showing some of the gorgeous architecture all around Tioga County, not just a Wego of homes from that period. So Waverly and Newark Valley, Cander, Spencer, uh, and those communities.
2: So that will open on Wednesday.
6: That opens on Wednesday at 10 o'clock. And by the way, we are free to the public. We don't. We do not charge an admission. We gratefully take donations. And then Saturday, I get to talk because I do that a lot. Uh, Because it's Black History Month, I'm giving my uh, follow the North Star program, which covers the Underground Railroad in Chemung, Tioga, and Broome counties. And that starts on Saturday at 2. And again, it's free and open. We warn people, uh, space is limited. When I put it up on Facebook as an event, we got like 107, 110 people who were interested um, if they all show up, you're going to be standing, because uh, I noticed we only had 32 chairs. <laughs> well, that's a good that's, that's a, a good, good thing for
2: people to keep in mind, though, if, yes. if they want to if attend, come, and, they, come. and they really want to be seated, then the early birds likely will get the seats. Yes. So, And again, that's on Saturday afternoon. Yeah. And I've given the program before for a number of times. It's
6: been a while. Uh, But we do cover all three counties because they were all involved in the Underground Railroad. Uh, Some more active than others. Uh, And I will give as much as I can talk about with some assurity over the three-plus decades I've been researching the
2: Underground Railroad. And... What can people expect beyond that? How, how far through the year have you mapped out your oh. your plans?
6: Um, next month, I'm also the speaker. I'm going to be doing my on the seamy side of the street talk, which is I know colorful characters from Broome County. But they just took down an exhibit not too long about, about, about the sins of Tioga County, where they talked about the same thing. Famous brothels, murders, crooked politicians, all those good things in life we like to talk about. And that'll be on, uh, I will tell you in a second, whatever the third, ah, be uh, March 16th again at 2 o'clock. And that's in the upper level, the main gallery of the Tioga County Historical Society. And there may be an announcement about a special musical program coming up, but we're waiting to hear, so I can't quite say. But if it happens, it will be free, and it will be on a Sunday.
2: All right. Well, I'm excited that so much is going on, and for people who want to know just more in general about the Tioga County Historical Society, there's a great deal of information on the website. Yeah,
6: you can go to our Facebook page at Tioga History, Tioga History, i try it again, Tioga County Historical Society. Uh, you can go to our web page, which is www.tiogahistory.org. You can email me at director at tiogahistory.org or just to the museum at org, or you can call us at area code 607-687-2460. And I'm always hanging around. I'm sometimes in my office. I thought I, they gave me a nice office and I'm usually on the floor doing something.
2: And it just sounds that you're...
6: Busy. Energized,
2: You're yeah. busy. You're energized with your new role. Yes. And I think it's going to be a great thing for Owego and for Tioga County. I hope so. We'll see. It's 1022. This is WNBF Live. We will take calls if you're interested in speaking yeah. with Gerald Smith about local history, whether it's Tioga, Broome counties, or any of the surrounding counties, New York, Pennsylvania history. We can talk about anything 607-772-1290 you're listening to binghamton then
0: from the galt auto studios this is wnbf news radio am 1290 also available at 92.1 fm we're still saving the southern tier money at galt toyota
2: Real radio for real Americans, as well as people of all other nations. Yes, all are welcome. We are multinational in our approach. Okay. Yeah, actually, Mul- we're now multilingual. Should... No, no, no we're, sorry, we're my most... high school Spanish is sort of gone, and my high school French is pretty much gone. The Wait. only, the only, no. the only seven words I remember were the ones that. George Carlin taught me in the French version of his ah, yes. famous bit. Well, you can't say that You can't say it. No, you can't. Uh, what, you know, and it is a pity that yeah. here in 2024, we are still facing such constraints. Gosh darn it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Looks like uh, some people want to talk to you. Okay. So if people want to talk with a legenda- legendary historian, 607 772 1290, and Mr. Smith will entertain your calls. First up, Jesse from Owego. By the way,
7: Mister Gerald Smith, you have now been knighted as Sir Gerald Smith.
2: Oh, oh, yes,
6: yes. Yeah. We're having to go back and forth because a little Dude, due, due to operational
2: requirements. Yeah, but yeah. I, I will, so take, he I them, will huh? take the knighthood
6: with great pleasure, Jesse. And I have now can say I've met Jesse in person. He nicely brought off some paperwork that we asked him to do, and I I keep meeting such great folks when we go.
2: That's great.
7: We have a good time and a lot of fun. I mean, there is honestly nothing better than history with humor. You just can't beat it. So now you're in the likes of uh, Sir Roger Nielski, because I knighted him, too.
2: Mm. Oh, well. I'm in great company. That's interesting. So Roger Neal and Gerald Smith get knighted, but... Not you. But America's favorite radio talk show host... Arthur Godfrey? (laughs) (laughs) No, I meant John Leslie. Uh Uh-huh,
7: uh-huh. Well, Bob, you got to remember now, you haven't retired yet and came back out of retirement because once you do, then I will knight you as well.
2: All right, well... So evidently, it's going to be several years before I. Yeah, you have, have to yeah. keep working. All right, and and I I came back as Jesse said. I'm back. All right. All right. By the way, uh, whatever happened to that big strawberry, Jesse?
7: What do you mean it's not there? I haven't walked by that
2: in a while. Well, you go check it out. You. Oh, never mind. No, it's still there. I was just checking to see if the phone was working.
7: Ah, gotcha. Hey, by the way, I've got a little history for both of you, and this is a very one-of-a-kind event that I don't think is ever going to happen again, but I donated a medicine bottle from Beach and Parmley. That was the corner Rexall drugstore here in Owego, and apparently it came from uh, the 1860s, maybe earlier. So... I thought, you know what this is very cool. I gotta donate this to the museum, and it just so happened to be that when I went to donate the bottle, the museum was holding a uh uh they're holding a fundraiser, so they were doing uh, chicken barbecue and I donated the bottle and I came out and I sat down I was talking to I was talking to Tom. McIntyre, and I do think it was a curator, and they were looking at my shirt. So this is what really was strange. It happened to be a shirt. I was at the Rainbow Trail when there was a mouse racing contest, and a sheriff came in, and he said, I want to buy the best mouse on the planet.
2: Oh, wait. This isn't the Creeley affair, is it?
7: Uh, Yes, it is.
2: Ha, 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 sorry. That was, uh, talk talk about, you were there that that fateful night. Please tell me you weren't there.
7: Yes, I was there, and that's why I bought the T-shirt. But the thing is, I kept it over all of these years. I took good care of it. And Tom McIntyre and the curator happened to spot that shirt, and they said, would you please donate that shirt to the museum? I'm like, okay. So I take the shirt off of me, I donate it, now I come home bare-chested, and I had explained to my girlfriend why I came home bare-chested, and she didn't believe me whatsoever. So guess what? I get this letter in the museum for my uh, deed of gift, and it said, medicine bottle from Beach and Carmelie Druggist, Oregon, New York, and T-shirt. I survived the mouse racing at the Owego Rainbow Trail.
2: All right, which happened, by the way, nearly 41 years ago. Thank you. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you, Jesse, for bringing that up. So here, for people not familiar. I wasn't. With the episode. You weren't familiar with this? No, he brought me up to date. So here it is, as, as originally reported by the newspaper. This was in the Evening Press, May 1983. Sarah Gillen. Was on the story And sadly by the way For a story of this ilk And when you hear the story Ilk is perhaps one of the words That might apply Or yuck They buried it on 2B You know Now in this day and age When clicks were about the clicks This story would be not only On 1A But it would be like prominently displayed On pressconnects.com Because Mm. they would get a billion clicks well, a lot of clicks. Listen to this: Tioga suspends deputy for gulping live mouse. Is that essentially what happened? Is yeah. that is that headline to the best of your knowledge, Mr. Smith? Pretty accurate. Yes. Dateline Owego. and I'm gonna, <laughs> as a public service, I'm going to keep the names out of it. Although, astute listeners already probably were able to hear one name that was inadvertently broadcast. Well, it's not inadvertently. It's the truth. Dateline Owego, a Tioga County Sheriff's deputy, was handed a three-day suspension after eating a live mouse in an Owego bar. The corporal, we'll call him, oh, I don't know, a random name, Jim Jones. (laughs) Corporal Jim Jones, a made-up name, of the County Sheriff's Department, was suspended from duty for three days without pay after eating a mouse at the Rainbow Trail on North Avenue. Sheriff, we'll call him Roger Rabbit. Again, we're substituting fake names. Sheriff Roger Rabbit said the tavern hosts mouse races at 8 p.m. every Wednesday, according to, and again, fake name I'm inserting here, Donald Duck, who owns the bar with his wife, Mary Lou, another fake name. Two weeks ago, uh, Jones, the corporal, Won three out of seven races on the 22-foot-long racetrack in the back room of the bar. On the eighth race, quote, he told the mouse if it didn't win, he was going to eat it. The mouse lost. A guy dared him to do it. He said, you're on. (laughs) Then Jones, fake name, put ketchup, salt, and pepper on the mouse and ate it. He said the tail was wiggling in his throat. It took him two swallows. Although the incident occurred while Jones, fake name, was off-duty, the sheriff, Rabbit, said Jones was suspended because it brought discredit to the department. The end. Yes. And I that, can, and now, I c- now can you
6: attest <laughs> that as far as I know, that is totally accurate. And Walter Cronkite—that's <laughs> the worst one I ever heard. Well, yeah. would have
2: said, and that's the way it is. Well, Monday, February twelfth, twenty twenty-four. Well, the, the actual date this appeared in the evening press was Wednesday, May twenty-fifth, nineteen eighty-three. I'm Bob Joseph. Good news and good night. Good day. Now that's Paul Harvey. Yeah,
6: but still forty-one years. But Jesse did drop that off. And he's got it, yeah. And he's got the form, because I saw it. And I heard about it. hard not to miss that. was a a few months before I started. They had a chicken barbecue out front.
2: Now, I, looking back on things, I, too, was a reporter in this town. Not in a week in this town. No, in this town. In 1983. I'm trying to remember exactly how I handled that. I mean, I... I know we did a story, mm. but that was pre-internet, so it was probably you probably and, treated as, you know, with a certain degree of... You and Boom Boom Fioti. Yeah, I think Bernie Fiatty probably wrote the story. Probably. And I'll tell you this, I can't remember specifically this case, but you know Bernie's love for all living things. I mean, Bernie <sighs> yes, yes. would give his life for an animal and i mean dogs or whatever he loved every living creature and i i don't recall i'm sure that bernie and i must have had a conversation in the newsroom about this now, and bernie must have been just
6: yeah well he and his wife sally both. yes yeah
2: and, and actually, for years and last i knew sally was still listening to this program yes. on a regular basis so sally if you happen to be listening Hope you're doing well. I haven't oh. spoken with her in a while, mm. so I. And she also started out as a reporter. Yes, Action News. Yes,
6: uh, she was a stringer up yeah. in what was that? Oneata, I believe. I believe.
2: Yeah. I'm but going, that wasn't her name. She, she no, wasn't Sally Fianti. It, Sally Campbell. Yeah. I always remember because I think she came from a family that invented soup in New Jersey. I think she I think must have been her grandfather who invented tomato soup oh. in Camden. No. She's she's probably yeah, dialing no, in and say, Bob, like, stop, Bob that. stop that. Yeah. Really? You know, at first she was saying, oh, I, because she, in the past, if we've mentioned Bernie on the program, she's oh, sometimes yeah. sent me a note, and she, because uh, we I, still appreciate all the work that he did. Oh, and, yeah. I used to
6: get called because they were next door to the old library, and he would just say, Jerry, uh, I want you to give me 30 seconds about this topic. I'm going to hit the button and just start talking. I didn't know what the story was, and but uh, he, here click, and I'd go. He'd pick it up and go,
2: "That was great. Thanks a lot. Bye." Oh yeah. Well, that's when we were doing lots and lots of stories oh, with yeah. lots and lots of audio yeah. actualities. Yeah. You know, and unfortunately, he, the the nature of our news has changed to the point where actualities in our newscasts are exceedingly hmm. rare. But that's there's you a know, few
6: out there still.
2: I mean, who not, do... You? Well, yeah, but not here. I'm saying... No. No, we stop. You know, sometimes With people that. come up to me and they say, Raj, why don't you kids use actualities anymore? And I said, well, if if you could see what the workflow is in the newsroom, yeah. you'd understand why actualities are actually Now, not-
6: when you need to balance your corporate books, though, aren't they important? Oh, those are actuaries. Oh,
2: sorry. Yes. And, and Slightly I talk, different. I talked to an actuary, and she said that... Based on your current li- lifestyle, Bob, we, we predict that you're going to live to be at least 108. I said, wow. Wow. We're, that's, we're all doomed, folks. <laughs> <I'm gonna laughs> say, Bob's going to be on the air that say, More decades of local reporting, there kiddos. We go. <laughs> I'll get there. <laughs> I'll be there. That's right. It's, it's,
6: I'm driving as fast. Wait, I'm only going three miles an hour.
2: My my little scooter. That's right. My little scooter. They won't that let me in a motor vehicle now. That, they, uh, that I was able to yeah. convince Elon Musk, here, <laughs> here, 97-year-old reporter Bob Joseph, here, I feel sorry for you. Here's a, yeah. here's a scooter. Good luck with that. Yeah. It's 1039. This is WNBF. Remember that station. WNBF Live on a Monday morning. This is Bob Joseph. Also in the studio is historian Gerald Smith. We're taking some phone calls now at 607 772 1290. Joe from Binghamton, good morning. You're on the air with Jerry Smith.
8: Good morning. Uh, Jerry, uh, are you familiar with the uh, Veterans Memorial uh, display case on the first, uh, in the mezzanine floor of the arena?
6: I'm familiar with it. I haven't seen it that many times. I mean, I wasn't involved with that. I know the number of the veterans groups um, were involved with that. I was involved with the all wars. I'm aware outside of the arena. Okay.
8: Uh, we, Myself and another man were involved with getting that, that, that thing done. Anyway, what I wanted to bring up about it, we just put in there uh, last week and put on the wall a picture of General Douglas MacArthur overlooking the signing of the peace treaty with uh, Japan. He's standing there, and uh, the, the Japanese guy is saying, I think it was September 7th, 1945, in, uh, um, on the USS Missouri. So that's the history of it. But it was taken, the picture was taken by a local uh, photographer, uh, Frank Saracino, who had a studio in Binghamton. You're probably he had it on Court Street there for a long time. He has since passed away, but he was the sergeant in the service that was the designated uh, person to take that picture.
6: Yeah, I'm familiar with the picture because it's been one of those that has been reproduced a number of times. And I know the name Frank Saraceno because I know him to be a photographer. I've run across, I think we've got a handful of his photographs in our collection at Broom County Historical Society. But I didn't know he did that while he was in the service.
8: Yeah, that that's was interesting. He also had pictures of Tokyo Rose, and he was the designated photographer for all the historical events uh, when he was in the service during World War II. So it's a. Uh, I just thought it was, and his son happens to be a friend of mine, and we put that picture up on the wall because I thought historically that was tremendously significant.
6: Well, yeah, indeed. I mean, it's one of those you've seen reproduced in a lot of history books and anybody who's researched or done graduate work or such on history, you've run across that, but that's a great story that I had never heard.
8: Well, I just, and uh, well, but below it on the wall, we put a tribute to uh, the, the photographer, Mr. Saraceno, we, uh, his history and how he got involved in that. So I, I thought those two things together belonged in that historical showcase. I know, your concern with Broom and Tioga County. But I just thought, what a magnificent thing to know that somebody from here partook, partake in taking that photograph. I, I, was, I was thrilled to do it.
6: Well, yes, I, I mean, it definitely belongs there. And I know there's still family members, as you mentioned, in the area, because I've run into them from time to time through some function or another. But yeah, I mean, that's the type of stories that, Well, first of all, that sounds like a really great column for me to write, but um, uh, that deserves to be in that case because then people attending functions there will see that and know that people from this region played really important roles i i did a book called sweeping across america where i said there's broom county citizens at important american history moments i didn't know that story or that would have been a chapter
2: too because it really ranks right up there with a great one where did uh, mr saraceno live in the area did he live in binghamton uh
6: he lived
2: he
8: grew up on the south side of binghamton I don't know where he lived. I, I would assume he was still on the south side of Binghamton when he was in the service. Uh, his gra- his son, excuse me, lives in Enwell. That's historically what I know. I don't know where. Mr. Sheriff, you know, but know what is uh, Right across from the Security Mutual Building. And he took the photographs of most uh, high school graduations, et cetera, et cetera. He was in business for a long time there. It's a really significant story. He also had a picture of Tokyo Rose. I said, well, I don't think I'll put
2: that up there. <laughs> no, I don't think that was necessary, but still, it's historic. And I, I appreciate you uh, sharing that information with us, Joe. Thank you so much. See, Jerry, you just never know. No. I mean, we no. we think. The people two of always us, think I know everything
6: yeah. there is, and I felt like, saying, no, I, it's far from it. But this is how we learn things is by people listening
2: in oh. and calling in. It's it's fascinating. I'm I'm always, always shocked at at the little tidbits that we we tend to uh, pick up on any any given episode yeah. of uh, Binghamton then. Which, by the way, for people who um, may be new to this uh, feature, we're trying to do it almost every month now on the second Monday of the month. Yes, so my guess is if. Um, now, ordinarily, if it was a normal year, ordinarily, the next time you'd be here would be March 12th. But this is a leap year, so it'll be March 11th. That's right. When Jerry Smith returns. Yes. We have more coming up. Don't touch that dial. We love our history. And we love WNBF listeners. So it starts recording. 1051 WNBF Live. I'm Bob Joseph, along with historian Jerry Smith on this Monday morning. Jim from Endwell, good morning. You're on the air.
5: Yes, good morning. I didn't catch all of the previous caller, but um, I know you were talking about a display case someplace. And I just wanted to say that I donated my father's World War II Eisenhower jacket to the um, museum that they're putting up behind the Endicott Library. Um, I ran into the woman. I think her name might be Sue. I think she's the t- Town of Union historian. Yeah,
2: Sue Meredith. And, uh,
5: yes. And, uh, you know, so she did. She definitely wanted it and had me write up a little thing about my dad, and um, a picture and all that to go into the display case there. But as we were talking, uh, she's writing a book, I guess, on local veterans and we started talking and my father-in-law, who just turned 100 years old February 2nd, was quite a World War II hero. He um, was a bombardier and a lead navigator and he actually saved, his plane got shot down over enemy territory in the Alps. And he had to, um, without a parachute, crawl across a nine inch catwalk to manually operate the hydraulics of the B-24 because they were stuck open, and the plane was starting to drop like a like a rock. And for that, he received the uh, Distinguished Flying Cross, and Senator Akshar inducted him into the Veterans Hall, New York State Veterans Hall of Fame a few years ago. Um, this year, after turning 100, the VFW is gonna have some large ceremony um, in his honor, and um, that Sue, she had, came to his home and interviewed him for probably about an hour and a half for a chapter in her in her book. So, yeah, we do have some very patriotic and loyal veterans in this area, and we should be proud of all of them.
2: Well, I appreciate your call. Thank you so much. By the way, Jerry, yeah. I have found some information out from uh, about Frank Saraceno. It was on the front page of the Press and Sun Bulletin. September 2nd, 1995. Tier Man captured signing on Missouri. says Frank Saracino of Binghamton was on the USS Missouri 50 years ago today, so that referred to September 1945, right. uh, taking pictures as General Douglas MacArthur was signing the peace treaty marking the end of World War II. And the story on page one said during his 34 months in World War II's Pacific Theater, U.S. Army photographer Frank Saraceno saw everything from the humorous to the joyous to the gruesome. He said, these are the kinds of pictures we used to take. And that's when he was uh, around and he flipped through an album of World War II photographs and he went into some stunning descriptions of some of the stuff that he saw uh, up close during the war. Uh, Obviously, war is hell, and he saw some of that, some of the blood and carnage, but he also saw uh, some of the um, things that's, you know, on the more humorous side. said, now retired and living in Binghamton, Saraceno has three photo albums filled with his wartime images. So take a look. At that newspaper I will. again. That's 1995. Yeah, September second, 1995. Okay, and it appears, it appears that he died in November 2003 at age 86. Wow. His uh, obituary said he passed away peacefully at his home in Binghamton, and uh, it makes reference to uh, the work that he did. As a U.S. Army photographer, and he was also the owner of Del Mar Studios. Ah. So there, according to the newspaper. I had pictures taken by Del Mar. I think I do, too. Maybe that's what, yeah. 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 So anyway, we learned a lot today. Yes, we have. So I I am so appreciative that you come in here and have been doing this now for. Over 10 years. Thank you. I I appreciate it. Uh, You know. You know I really appreciate it, and you know how much the listeners appreciate it. And I also appreciate the work that you're now embarked on in Tioga County. So keep up the good work. Yep. So, Anyway, thank you so much. We will do it again on March 11th. Sounds good. Coming up next, journalist Kevin Maney. This is a great program. Yeah. I wish every program could be this good. (laughs) We can always hope. Yes. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you, Bob. You're listening to Binghamton Now. I'm Bob Joseph on WNBF.
0: This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221 EJ Binghamton, a town square media station. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290,
1: WNBF. This is News Radio 1290, WNBF News. Partly sunny today, high near 40. Tonight, cloudy, snow likely, low around 30. Snow likely Tuesday with a high near 37. Police are investigating a deadly drive-by shooting incident near Morabito Stadium in downtown Binghamton. Police in the area reported hearing five or six gunshots around the main post office just before 5 p.m. on Friday. A police officer found a wounded person lying on the pavement next to a blue car that was stopped on Fayette Street between the stadium and post office. The victim reportedly had been shot in the face. He was pronounced dead at the scene. In a statement released Friday night, Detective Captain Corey Miner said the victim was a 20-year-old man. He had been driving the car when he was shot, causing the vehicle to crash. City police officers were assisted by state troopers in preventing people from rushing to the spot where the victim's body was recovered. Broome County Sheriff's deputies also assisted Binghamton police on downtown streets as people gathered in the aftermath of the shooting. Minor released no information on possible suspects or a description of the vehicle used to leave the scene. Johnson City Police say three Binghamton teenagers face felony charges following a stabbing in the village linked to a social media dispute. Investors said a 16-year-old boy was injured in the attack, which occurred in the area of Harriell Drive and North Harrison Street shortly before 6 p.m. Thursday. Police officers provided medical assistance to the youth who had been stabbed while others circulated in the neighborhood looking for others who were involved. Johnson City Police said a short time later, an officer saw 18-year-old Tyreem Jordan of Binghamton toss a jacket into a vehicle. The officer looked into the car and noticed a small handgun near the jacket. The weapon was a loaded 9mm ghost gun. Detectives viewed a video recording from a nearby business that showed Jordan wielding a gun while chasing the boy who had been stabbed. A second suspect in the incident, 18-year-old Luke Lucas, was taken into custody custody at his Binghamton residence. A third suspect, a 17-year-old boy, was found in Binghamton Friday morning. Police said the youth who was stabbed was hospitalized in stable condition. All three suspects have been charged with attempted assault. Jordan and the 17-year-old suspect were also charged with criminal possession of a weapon. Lucas was charged with criminal possession of a forged instrument. According to the Broome County District Attorney's Office, on February 9th, Michael Gibson of Binghamton pleaded guilty as a second felony offender to rape in the first degree in Broome County Court. Gibson admitted to having sexual intercourse with a victim less than 13 years old in the summer of 2023. Gibson is due back in court for sentencing on May 10th, where he is expected to be sentenced to 15 years in New York State Prison, followed by 15 years of post-release supervision. Workers have turned out hunting rifles, shotguns, carbines, revolvers, and more at the Remington plant in upstate New York for about two centuries. Now locals are bracing for Remington's exit from the village of Illion. The nation's oldest gun maker is consolidating operations in Georgia and recently announced plans to shutter the factory in early March. The move will eliminate 300 local jobs. The current owners of Remington Firearms blame production inefficiencies for the plant closing in a letter to union officials. Meanwhile, local officials are facing the prospect of a dramatic revenue loss in a vacant old factory. The resignation of a Republican lawmaker in the Pennsylvania House of Representatives has put the balance of power back to the Democrats. Republican Representative Joe Adams of Pike County resigned on Friday, leaving the state House at a 101 to 100 Democratic majority. A Democratic Democratic resignation last year had the House deadlocked at 101 to 101, and a special election next week will fill that vacancy. The special election in Bucks County leans heavily Democratic and could strengthen the party's hold on the chamber. A special election for Adams' seat will be set as early as two months from now. Adams' seat in the northeastern part of the state has trended Republican. Voters in New York's 3rd congressional district will decide who will complete the remaining 11 months of George Santos' unfinished term. The epilogue to Santos' short and tumultuous congressional career will be written Tuesday as the two candidates vie to replace him. Former U.S. Representative Tom Swosey, the Democratic nominee, and Nassau County Legislature Mozzie Phillips will, uh, the Republican nominee. Both parties are eyeing the competitive seat as Republicans hold a narrow three-seat majority in the U.S. House. The seat became vacant after Santos was expelled from the House late last year after being charged with multiple counts of fraud and stealing from donors. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF.
5: News Radio
2: WNBF. I'm Bob Joseph. You're listening to Binghamton Now on a Monday morning. And we're joined in the studio by journalist and author and musician Kevin Maney. Kevin, good to see you. Welcome back to WNBF. Thanks, Bob. Always glad to be here. I see you're keeping busy, and that's a good thing. Yeah, that's always helpful. (laughs) Well... So I, if, if I asked you an open-ended question and just started the interview off with what you've been up to lately, that could probably take us all the way till noon. <laughs> we, we don't intend to be that long. We might chat for uh, maybe 15 or 20 minutes and kind of let people know what you have been up to. For people who may uh, be thinking, gee, the name Kevin Maney somehow resonates. I can't quite, quite put my finger on it. Uh, for people not familiar with you or perhaps your brother Dave or the Maney family, give give people a, a bit of an overview of uh, of what you and, and Dave and, have been up to over the years in terms of journalism and other ventures.
9: Yeah, sure. Well, of course, my family grew up here. My mom still lives here and uh, um, other family members and um, we grew up here <clears throat> and I worked for the Binghamton Press for a few years in the ni- uh, 1980s. Uh, went on to USA Today, to um, uh, Condé Nast magazines, to Newsweek magazine, written books a- along the way, nine business-related books. I've always been writing about business and technology, um, including the one that matters around here a lot, is uh, I wrote a biography of Thomas Watson Sr. called The Maverick and His Machine, which has kind of become the de facto history of IBM. Um, and uh, so, you know, I've been an author and journalist and you know, work with companies and all this kind of for, you know, my whole career. And then I, I have two younger brothers, um, my brother, Dave, you know, that Bob, you know, both of them and, and, you know, Dave's been in journalism at times and he's at a company now called, um, expert, uh, press. And, um, my youngest brother, Scott also lives in New York. He's a branding and advertising guy and have my older stepbrother, Mark, who's still in town, lives here in town, not that too far from my mom. Wow, so it's the mainies have left their mark on
2: Binghamton and elsewhere in the world, and even Canada. You know? And even Canada. that's right. That's great. Well, uh, the reason you're here today, I saw that uh, you have another book out, and this is different. This is definitely not, not like the um, that great IBM book where you were afforded all sorts of, um, I'd say, very rare access Absolutely, to right. IBM's historical documents. But tell me about the new book that's just out.
9: Yeah, well, uh, you know, all of the other books I've written have been about business and technology and nonfiction books, biographies, things like that. And, um, but there's a story behind it. So I have a novel coming out. It's called Red Bottom Line. Um, it actually gets released as an e-book on February 15th and as a print book on March 15th. Um, and uh, but there's but there's a story that's linked to my journalism about that, which is back in the late 80s and early 90s when I was at USA Today, um, I was covering the breakup of the Soviet Union, so I was traveling to Moscow and to other parts of the Eastern, Old Eastern Bloc then, and um, you know this was was this once in a his, once in history kind of moment in time when. This you know, nation was falling apart, and and a whole communist system was trying to make a, a transition to capitalism or something like it. It was just chaos, and I saw all sorts of weird and crazy things happening at the time, and um, I was writing about it for the, the newspaper. But um, I also d- thought in 1991 that I would use what I was witnessing to as a backdrop for a novel, and I wrote this draft of a novel um, about this young American management consultant who sees this opportunity and this crazy cast to go over to Moscow, try to make a fortune. He gets caught up between things that were really happening there, like ex-KGB agents running businesses and kidnapping people from each other. And, and, and so he gets caught in the middle of all this. is basically like a, a funny thriller kind of uh, book, story. And um, so I, I wrote this whole thing, and this was before I'd written any other nonfiction books or anything. So I wrote this whole thing and ends up really not doing anything with it. Tried sending it to a couple of people didn't get any responses. It was like, all right, just put it in a drawer. And then fast forward 30 years, and my grown daughter, who's also a journalist and editor, um, started asking me about it. And, um, and I said, well, maybe I can find a printout. You know, it, was, it was written on floppy disks, like on WordPerfect or something. So I was <laughs> never going to recover the digital files. <laughs> So I found a printout and um, I started reading it as as like a first, like I barely remembered what I'd written. And I'm reading this thinking like I'm gonna be really embarrassed. Like this is probably really awful. I start reading and I'm going like, wait, this is like good. <laughs> it needs some work. Right. Um, and, um, and, you know, uh, thank my daughter. She went, she read it, sent me a bunch of notes back about like how I could make it better. And so I did this whole revision 30 years later. Um, and ended up with a really well-put-together, you know, book. I, I gave it to some friend, different friends and said, before I send this to any editors or anything like this, am I crazy? And, I, and the response I was getting back was like, this is really great. So here we go for, for publishing my first novel.
2: And that's a remarkable story, how you got to this point. It's, I'm sure it happens on occasion, but that's not it's not the typical route uh, that that someone's first novel, that's...
9: It w- was literally decades, yeah, decades yeah. in the making. Well, and, and so what's kind of fun, I guess, is it's like it's like a, it's like a historical novel, except that it was actually written in the middle of the history that was being as just being you know published uh, three decades later. And uh, you know, another um, thing about it that is great is that because I wrote most of it in the moment when I was actually traveling there. There's all this detail that I couldn't possibly have remembered if I was trying to like start from scratch now and and you know it's a it's all this sort of like you know rich detail about uh what life was like in Moscow in the middle of all that you know chaos and craziness at that time
2: and it's interesting to think about how dramatically things have changed over the decades to to the point where well, we see what Russia' is like. Or what we think Russia might be like in 2024, yeah. you know, and looking back though that many decades ago, who who would have guessed that we'd be at this point with uh, President Putin behaving as he does? I mean, what a what a what a strange strange situation that the world is in at this point.
9: Yeah, and well, so now looking back, so the book was you know the the basically written and it's set before Putin, right? Um, it's at the time when Boris Yeltsin was president of the country but um, when I when, you, when I reread this I'm going like well now, now you can understand why somebody like Putin was welcomed um, by Russia when he first stepped in, into power because um, the, the it had gotten so chaotic and so um, unlawful there that somebody was going to come in and say we're gonna I'm gonna you know straighten things out and fix this even if it was a strong man was would would you could see why it would have been attractive to the Russians at the time, even if it didn't turn out the way, maybe many would have liked, yeah,
2: well, he was I guess the right man in the right place at the right time for what the country needed, given what had preceded him
9: yeah yeah exactly that's that's
2: what happened at that moment anyway well, and and actually it's interesting if you think about it that uh that type of uh lesson could apply to other countries too, given. You know, a a whole bunch of seemingly unrelated things that happen can sometimes clear the path for a leader, sometimes a non traditional leader. And people will say, How did that all happen? Well, because of so many things that basically, you know, got got people in poise to have someone they ordinarily would not have wanted to be their president. Yeah, yeah. That's what that's what happens. So as you mentioned uh, the book will officially become available soon. Uh, as far as uh, audio version and then um, uh,
9: will is there actually a print version that's going to be available? A print version okay. yeah, released March 15th. And um, it's available on you know Amazon and every place else walmart.com and and uh, you can pre-order it at this point and you know have it arrive on March 15th. <laughs> so there's gonna, there will be some
2: people here in the Binghamton area will say, now I'm, I'm intrigued. They certainly remember you and, and the, the early journalism work you did here in Binghamton. And then uh, you're reporting for USA Today and then the other books, including, as I said, the, um, the IBM book, which contains so much remarkable information. I'm still amazed. Are you still amazed that they gave you the kind of access they did?
9: Yeah, we, you know, sort of life is full of happy accidents, right? And, and uh, the story behind that was, of course, I grew up here and grew up with IBM all around me. And uh, my, my mom worked for Bob Schumann. And Bob Schumann's grandfather was on the original board of directors for IBM. And uh, so, you know, I was, and, and, and um, at some point after I'd published one book, uh, I started thinking about, like, the fact that there really had been no b- modern biography done of Thomas Watson, Sr. And I had great relationship with IBM, had been interviewed Lou Gerster. He's the CEO at the time a number of times and knew the communications people. And I went to the head of communications, a guy named Rob Wilson at the time. And, um, and I, I said, I, I'm thinking about doing this biography, but I, I would really only want to do it if... I could have access to some of his personal papers. Like, is there a closet somewhere with, you know, his old, you know, letters or something like that? And Rob looked at me and he said, like, it's really weird that you would ask me this because we just found in this warehouse in upstate, uh, I think in the Poughkeepsie area, um, 340 boxes of his papers that nobody's looked at in 40 years. And um, and he goes, I think I could get you access to them. So I just had this treasure trove of stuff that included, like, word-for-word notes of what was happening in in meetings and his calendars and his telegrams to people and everything. And it was just this, you know, as an author, you can't ask for anything better than that. And I imagine some of the stuff, since you were so
2: familiar with what had been going on up to that point, let's see, so you started that project what year? I started it around probably 2000, I think. so. The, uh, the dramatic changes that had happened, say, here in Endica in a week ago uh, with IBM that all of us are very familiar with, uh, so much of that had already started. I mean, things really—I remember telling my mom, I think, the first time that an IBM spokesman would say on a radio interview— use the word layoffs or oh yeah yeah yeah, and i can't remember the precise year but it was in i think the early 80s and i told my mom nothing nothing around here is ever going to be the same
9: yeah no i know, know because
2: at up to that point like many companies when they had to do make adjustments in their workforce they would come up with all sorts of nuanced ways of saying it to um you know give whatever appropriate say in the 70s and the very early 80s the right spin that well we're just right sizing our workforce but nobody would ever say uh, on the record and and certainly in an on air interview you know yeah we laid off some people and at that point and I think the, the spokesman was Joe Dom, oh, and remember I remember yeah. having because we had had some conversations off the record or for background in the past but after we did that interview and the recording was turned off, we, we uh, had to acknowledge that these times are different. Things, things are changing dramatically with IBM. And look, the, the IBM that exists now in the 21st century has little resemblance to the IBM that was part of Endicott and Owego and Glendale for so many decades in the 20th century. There's still some elements. They still produce mainframe computers, but that's still, that's not where the money is now for
9: IBM. No, yeah, you so are completely changing. Um, but it was, you know, uh, in fact, at the time, um, it was kind of between things. So what IBM was closing down here, but other entities that had come, picked up the site. So, like, I remember, um, you know, I as a writer, right, I want visual you know, uh, you know, information that I can, that I can then write from. So I came back and I wanted to, um, see things like the, the homestead. So the homestead at that time was just a wreck. I mean, it was not, it had not been renovated into the hotel or anything yet, but it had been shut down for years. But I remember getting a tour of it and like, you know, having to step over boards that had fallen down and all this kind of stuff. But it gave me a visual reference of what that place was actually like back in the, you know, thirties, forties, fifties, when it was a, a hop and, center of the universe right and and when ibm executives the top
2: executives or top salespeople would come in, in the 40s and live in in the tenth city. Tent city right? yeah and it's i read these stories these accounts whether in a book or newspaper accounts from the time and i'm thinking people who are alive today for the mo- most part have no idea about what what ibm truly was for the entire region I mean, at one point, I I come from an IBM family. My my dad and my stepfather worked for IBM. I mean, at one point in the, I think, the the late 70s, space was so, running so short, IBM was leasing office space here in downtown Binghamton at Center Plaza. I mean, when our radio station was in Center Plaza, my father was working up on the fourth or fifth floor for, for IBM. And IBM had... Uh, all this other space at say in Westover and in Vestal. I mean, they were they were so pressed for space in Endicott that about any other available space in Broome County was was being rented. And now look at it. By the way, so when you come back to uh, Binghamton, and I don't know if you've been to Endicott lately, and and see what's happens. I mean, if you go say down Watson Boulevard in Endwell, where the country club once stood now that's all gone they tore it down and they're you know probably starting this spring they're going to build a 72 unit apartment building where the country club was so you go down watson boulevard and um, town of union then head to endicott and see what's left what's now known as the huron campus i mean it it must be astonishing for you now that you don't spend that much time here in broome county
9: well, yeah, I mean, and I have done that and I've seen those and it's, it is, you know, pretty astonishing in knowing what, you know, what was there before. Although the flip side of that is that, um, you know, have, you because know, I come here regularly, I've had for my whole life. I mean, my family's still here and, um, you know, and seeing what the university has done for the town too is, is this whole yin and yang thing. And, and you know, it's, it's nice to see. The uh, the you know the livelihood that's that's um, that's coming back to the, the city in a way that it wasn't you know ten twenty years ago.
2: Yeah, well, and the only constant, whether people in the
9: triple cities appreciated it for the
2: most <laughs> most of the twentieth century, the only constant in life is change. Right. And I think I think people in Endicott, Johnson City, and Binghamton and the surrounding communities got so comfortable with companies like IBM and Endicott Johnson that they were insulated for decades when other communities routinely would see change businesses expanding contracting going under Um, it just didn't happen that often or with that frequency say in Broome County as it does now but that's all part of Of life, of business life. You know, uh, for example, here in downtown Binghamton right now, we're seeing a spate of restaurants and bars open. But at the same time, there's some other restaurants and bars that close. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the story of business, and that exists everywhere else in this country and everywhere else in the world, whether or not people here in Broome County understand that concept, that it's just because some business uh, can't make it for whatever reason— it doesn't mean that we're on the ropes. No, absolutely not. Yep, yep. Tell me a little bit about your involvement in music. I understand uh, an album is forthcoming <laughs> this spring. Tell us a little bit about that. And, and I know that it's not your first album. Tell me about the music aspect of your life.
9: Well, the other side of, of life. I mean, I, I've been involved in creative things, so you know, uh, I've been I write music and have been in bands for you know a long, long, long time. <clears throat> and um, I, I'm in a band in New York, and um, uh, the band itself called Total Blam Blam actually has an album on Spotify, um, and we play we play just Saturday night. In fact, at a club in New York. But I I have a lot of a lot of music that I've written that was very personal to me. That I've always wanted to record, and I started working with a producer in, in Queens um, about last summer. We completed the album um, just uh, a few weeks ago, and um, that's going to be released in late April. It's, and that's just under my name, under you know Kevin Maney. Um The album's called Love, Loss, Hope, Desire, and uh, you know ten ten songs. A lot of them very autobiographical or drawn from my life, and. Uh, uh, it turned out great. And it's, um, yeah, it's just going to be a, I feel a lot of pride in, in having accomplished that, of get that getting that out. Well, that's exciting. Well, I'm glad you were able to spend some time here in the studio and
2: I'll look forward to perhaps having you back at some point in the future because you're always involved in so many things. There, There are, I think, an infinite number of topics we could discuss. Yeah, absolutely.
9: Well, you know, I'm,
2: Happy to come in any time I'm around. Absolutely. Kevin Maney, uh, the forthcoming book, Red Bottom Line. It's more details about that book and uh, other aspects of Kevin Maney's busy life at the website, KevinManey.com. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. It's 1130. You're listening to News Radio, WNBF Binghamton. I'm Bob Joseph. From the Galt Auto
0: Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290, also available at 92.1 FM. We sell the ultimate driving machine at Galt BMW.
2: 734 WNBF live with Bob Joseph Airport Road Bob in the town of Maine good morning you're on
4: the air
10: hey good morning Bob I wanted to tell you you had a great week last week um you know I thought Friday was great I mean you guys did a good
11: job
2: thank you I thought last week was uh an exceptional week all all five days I thought were uh were very very good programs. I really appreciated the uh, contributions by the callers, and of course, we had several guests too. So it was uh, yeah. it was something I I hope we can uh, sort of continue on that track.
10: So do I. I mean, it's important for people to hear the politicians and what they got to say. Um, since we have no real newspaper media in the area, and you're the only show that carries anything that goes on. So. I'm going to do a Bob Joseph. There's a big story coming, okay? Big, big, big story. And um, I want to talk to you off the air at, a, at a, a later point this week. But give you an update on the IDA corporate park um, saga. The town of Maine meeting is next Tuesday night, 6 o'clock, town of Maine. Any Maine residents um, in the uh, affected areas along the airport road corridor or East main road corridor um, or even some of the people from uh, Rhodes road, um, Reynolds road, anybody that's affected by this, because if, if for any reason this corporate park ever came about as bad as Reynolds road is right now. And Mr. Meany had a good conversation about how bad the traffic is over there. um, It's going to be worse. So I'm asking all residents in the area that, are going to be affected to please email their board members at either the town of union or the town of maine and tell them what your feelings tell them whether you're for or against it um this project has been a nightmare it's three years old there is still no paperwork submitted to the town of maine on this project by the ida and the ida keeps telling everybody that they bought the property the property has not been paid for they may have agreed to the purchase but they have not paid mr Delapena any money yet
2: so i assume then it's then it's under contract is that correct
10: i don't know how the contract reads from what i from what mr Delapena has told me um he has no recourse on this other than um they've said they made they've agreed to the purchase and he can't back out or i i have no idea what the contract says honestly now there are five other members in the in the community whose uh, properties have received letters of eminent domain um they want to take their properties for this corporate park. they've actually applied for a seeker which is a uh, a governmental um um how do what's the word i want bob it's a you have to fill this out, it's environmental reviews, right. it's traffic reviews, it's all kinds of water reviews or whatever. They've, they're have they supposedly applying for the seeker for over 600 acres of property, and they've only agreed to purchase 300. So I don't know how the law works, but there's so many crazy things going on with this. Please, if you're a resident that's going to be affected, take the time to email your board members. Your town board, um, talk to your neighbors because it's not going to be a pretty sight if they decide to build this corporate park um, in your neighborhood. Um, I appreciate the time you've given me. I'm going to email you later a bunch of uh, information because there is a big story coming, um, and I'd like to, you know, make it exclusive to you and um, Jim Emke because you are the only two people have taken any interest in this project over the last year and a half and to show my appreciation, I'm going to, I'm going to dump everything on you guys because this is a, in my opinion, okay. And my opinion doesn't count, but in my opinion, this is a, a giant Ponzi scheme.
2: All right, well, stand by. Why don't you actually stand by on the line? Um, and I'll, I'll talk to you for just a quick moment off air and, um, and we can, uh, obviously, we'll be able to talk later in the week or later today, but hang on. It's 1139. We're going to be taking more calls. If you have your thoughts, by all means, share them at 607-772-1290. This is Binghamton Now on News Radio WNBF. WNBF Live DJ in Binghamton, you're on the air
11: Well, happy pre-snowstorm Monday everybody, where every opinion counts, Airport Bob I wanted to talk about something nobody's brought up and uh, because I used to watch a man on television that very much inspired my life his name was John Osteen, him and his wife Doty she got healed from cancer and they had a son named Joel, he was a cameraman as was I for WBNG, so I can Be familiar with that. And he uh, was called into preaching, not even wanting to, which I can attest to that. When I pastored two churches, I wasn't ready to be called. But anyway, did you hear about that? A a woman walked into the Lakewood Church. It's not a church. Church is a building. The Lakewood Basketball Former Compact Center. And I thought it was 16,000, but the CNN article, if you go on CNN.com, Joel Osteen shooting, You can see it on there. She walked in. She had an AR-15 that had Free Palestine on it, and she shot. Now, there were two off-duty police officers, probably were church members. They whipped out the jammies. Bow, bow, bow. She's gone into oblivion. And uh, it's frightening. He's the most watched, most sought after, most watched, and most listened to preacher in America. The reason why is because he's, his message is very positive. So the you're going to hell fire brimstone preachers do not like this man, Joel Osteen, in Lakewood, Texas. It's a big story on CNN, Bob. Did you see it or do you know you're, you probably heard on the news about it? No, CNN. I don't
2: know anything about it, but no. Really? Fortunately, oh, with, was, with violence, you know. So when did it, it happen? What, it happened yesterday? Bob, uh, Let me look. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm looking it up now. It said it happened Sunday afternoon. Yeah. 2 p.m. Yeah. It happened in Houston. Here's the story. This is CBSNews.com. A woman wearing a trench coat and armed with a long rifle was fatally shot by law enforcement officers after allegedly opening fire at Lakewood Church Sunday afternoon. Here's
11: CNN's version. She walked in with a baby, the baby got shot accidentally because two unarmed officers who probably were church members whipped out their jammies started blasting the baby is in credit critical condition uh nobody else really got hurt and um and it, you know, sa- it says here
2: up. the child is four or five years old
11: and i don't mean to bring up free palestine on her thing but you know it's, it's it's, it's, it's mental illness. Who who would do that? It's demonic. Oh,
2: that's the thing. Who who would shoot anyone? Why would somebody shoot some a 20-year-old man near the Binghamton Baseball Stadium? Why would somebody stab a person in Johnson City? You know, three people from Binghamton. You know, why do people do anything? Because they've got some problems. That's right, Bob. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's not new. I mean, 50 years ago. Just... I I still want people to realize as many problems as we have with violence, it's nothing new. Fifty years ago, this is the headline from the the Sunday press. February 10th, 1974, student shot in Suab, Gunsbury. That's what they called SUNY Binghamton before. It was State University at Binghamton. So the Sunday press had this headline, Student Shot in Suab Gun Spree. A young black man was shot and apparently critically wounded early today when a gunman opened fire in the Student Union of the State University at Binghamton. That was from 1974. Witnesses said the gunman fired five shots in the crowded room at about 12.30 a.m. It turned out that uh, the man who was wounded, he was a SUNY Binghamton student, from Brooklyn, he was 19 years old, Albert Tillman. He was rushed to Wilson Memorial Hospital with serious head injuries. He ultimately died because he was shot at SUNY Binghamton 50 years ago this weekend. So again, shootings, stabbings, robberies, and mayhem have always been with us and they'll always be with us, always.
11: Well, what, Bob, what stands out to me about this particular one though, Though it's in Lakewood, Texas, far away, Governor Abbott put in his opinion about everything. Is that I never intended to do what I've done, traveling all over, preaching all over India. I mean, he never intended to be to have a 16,000 member basketball stadium for his church. And so, if anybody doesn't know, Google Joe Lawson. He's the most positive, inspirational preacher in the world, and he's on everything. He's on the Roku. He's on your
2: and he makes lots of money. He's, uh, I don't know, is he a billionaire, a billionaire?
11: Well, the servant is worthy of his hire, so how he makes his money is he writes books.
2: Yeah, I know how he makes his money. I said, I think he's a millionaire. I don't know, maybe he's a billionaire. He makes lots of money. He's, hes uh, I would go so far as say he's a celebrity.
11: Kenneth Copeland has $780 million in his ministry, which
2: he's almost a billionaire. He's been doing this since his family Yeah, I, I mean, good for them. That's, that's why... That's why religion, although it can be divisive, it's, it also can be lucrative.
11: This is not religion, though. This is born again Christianity. Kenneth Colton started out putting cassette tapes for an offering out of his trunk in the seventies.
2: Well, and it turned out well for him. So, what my point is, I am not; it's not critical. I am saying there are some people, you know, at a time in America that many, many traditional churches are on the ropes, and many, many churches, even here in the southern tier. Are closing their doors for lack of uh, money and a lack of uh, members, other churches with other business models are doing really well. And, you know, hey, I commend them. They, they're doing well. And they're doing the work they feel they need to do, that they've been called to do. And for some of them, for some of them, it's, it's a calling. No doubt. But also getting uh, over to the other matter. And in terms of violence, gun violence, whether it's somebody showing up at a church in Houston or somebody getting shot near the post office and baseball stadium in downtown Binghamton. It's the, the human condition from the beginning. You could look it up. Many good books. Have uh, details about how people have always been violent, and they always will be. I'm sad to report. There's always going to be a certain level of violence, and whether it's because of mental illness, whether it's because of jealousy, whether it's because of business disagreements, whatever, it happens. It happens. And sadly, sometimes it's up to me. If it happens around here, it's up to me to have to report on some of the things that happen around here. Sad but true. And but it, it doesn't mean, by the way, just because we're experiencing a wave of violence right now in Broome County, it doesn't mean that things are actually worse in Broome County than they ever were. It's 11:51. This is Bob Joseph, live and local on a Monday morning. You're listening to News Radio WNBF. 1153 WNBF Live with Bob Joseph. Martin from Binghamton, good morning. You're on the air. Hey,
12: thank you. Hey, I, I happened to catch what he was saying about uh, that, uh author or the, the the priest, whatever he is. But um, anyway, what, what the fastest growing aspect of spirituality, religion, and everything of this is called the nuns N O N E S, people that don't. They're, they're ambivalent they don't know what to believe, but they don't belong to a church they 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 do their own thing you know they they have uh, they believe in uh or they don't believe or they're agnostic or like there's um, for example there's an offshoot aA group that I've gone to several times that has trouble with the uh, AA mentions God like in the first four, Steps of the Twelve Steps. A lot of people have trouble with the religion. A lot of people have trouble with that, and so you know, so they follow the, the tenets, the main um, steps and stuff to help you um, overcome uh, alcoholism. But it's it's a lot of it. It's, it's it's like a not New Age, but it's it's different. I I, I subscribe to something what I could just call the universal mind. You know that I believe in. There's something. There's some power. Whatever it is, but um, I don't know. Nobody knows on this earth if you're living, you know. But like you say, that's that's the main thing. Uh, it's it's ironic that the the, uh, the three letters and marijuana, the tetra, uh, tetrahydrocannabinol, THC. Well, what is that? That's the the human condition. THC, the human condition. That's what we're all be dealing with. So you know, you you never know, like you know, what 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 makes a person do that? Like you say, what what kind of an animal is that? Well, let's see. That's
2: a human animal Because we're all animals Well, and you know? we, we we were all created You know, at at, at the um, First moment Or at the moment we take our first breath In theory, we should all be uh, Considered a blank slate We all should have uh, a lot of potential to, to do good And certainly potential to do evil And who knows what happens Some people uh, Grow up to do great things And some people grow up to do some really heinous things and it's complicated it's complicated and it always has been appreciate your call martin just keep doing your best everybody do your best every day and try to look forward and try to be optimistic that's our program for today i'm bob joseph i'll be back tomorrow morning
0: This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton, now on 92.1 FM, W221 EJ Binghamton, a Town Square media station.